Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast. We started this podcast a few years ago as there is a lack of CPD around SEND that is easily accessible. All staff in schools need training and support around SEND, but this isn't really possible with the funding available. The Sendcast is our way to try and help solve that problem, to help all teachers to be teachers of SEND and to help support staff be more aware of SEND. The Sendcast is also a great way to get the same consistent message to schools and parents. Every week on the Sendcast, we have a guest on to talk about something they are passionate about. And this week, we are talking about making mindfulness fun with my guest, Katie White. Katie is an embodied wellness practitioner and specializes in laughter and playfulness. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B Squared. Over the last 25 years, B Squared have supported schools to support students with SEND. We help schools show small steps of progress that pupils with SEND make. And over the last few years, we've started to deliver high quality, easy to access training and CPD for schools around SEND. We launched Trainer for Education a couple of years ago with a virtual SEND conference. We now have an amazing lineup of speakers who have delivered sessions at our conferences or they have developed their own training courses. You can find out more about our conferences and training courses and who delivers them by going to the Training for Education website, www.trainingforeducation.com. And at the end of the episode, I'll be sharing exclusive Sendcast discount code, so keep listening. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing making mindfulness fun. My guest is Katie White. Katie is an embodied wellness practitioner and founder of The Best Medicine. Katie specializes in laughter and playfulness, teaching interactive games, practical strategies, and mindfulness-based tools that help to reduce stress and anxiety. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hello. Thank you for having me. So mindfulness is important and something a lot of us do, or some of us do, but all of us should do. And when we think of mindfulness, we may have different images in our head of what it might look like. And the idea of doing it with a class full of children might be a step too far for some people. Yeah, I mean, mindfulness is a little bit of a buzzword, isn't it? And people are using it a lot. And for people who don't know a lot about mindfulness, maybe their perception is sitting cross-legged on the floor, breathing, chanting, chanting, banging the bell, all sorts of things. And mindfulness doesn't have to be that complicated. And I think when, especially when you're working with young children, it's great to get them into a meditation practice. But the reality is that's going to be quite hard to start with. So making it playful, making it fun gives children the route in. So they feel excited about mindfulness and then more likely to want to practice some of the exercises. It doesn't all have to be about meditation, floating on a cloud. Oh, no. <laughs> it's incredibly accessible and something that teachers can implement throughout the day to get children feeling calmer, to get them concentrating on the task at hand. There's so many benefits of mindfulness. And mindfulness isn't just that meditating type stuff. There is, it's a huge, it's a big wide remit, isn't it? Yes. My friend started talking about mindfulness and I was like you don't need mindfulness you're a successful business person blah 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 and basically he was sort of saying I'm, I'm struggling with various bits so he's got he bought a diary and and in it each day he would write down for the next day what is it I'm worried about 
and he'd write down his worries into the book. And the next day he would get to the end of the day and he'd write down his worries for the next day again, but he'd also write down kind of what went well. How did those worries turn out? Did it go as bad? And it just helped him. And again, this is, I don't know how much of this is the mindfulness part or things like that, but he kind of, he sat there and over time, he could literally see that all this stuff he's worrying about every single evening, every single day, never actually became an issue the following day. So that's what he did. And he did this and when it's really helping and he did loads of stuff and he just worried a lot. And it just having this process really, he said, really helped him that he could actually sit there and go, what is it you're worrying about? What is it really winding you up? And I've done that. I literally, I've taken time going, oh, why am I stressed? What is it? What is it I'm worried about? What can I actually do about it? Yeah, it's bringing awareness to the thoughts that we have every single day, bringing awareness to them so we can actually get some distance from them. It's like, okay, what am I thinking every day? And is that actually, you know, when it comes to anxiety, is that actually happening or no? So it's, it's like stepping back from that thought and going, is this thought helpful to me right now? No. And so then when you have that awareness, when you have that thought again, you're like, oh, there's that thought again. Well, that's strange. Well, it's not useful to me. And so you're, you're differentiating between your thoughts and you. Like there's, there's an observer. There's this wonderful example, especially with anxiety, of it being like a cinema or a movie screen. And so your brain is showing you these moving images and you are not in the movie. You're not one of those actors. You are the observer. You're watching it happen. And you can watch it happen and you can believe it and you can be so invested in it. Or you can watch it happen and, and just be like, oh, oh, that's happening. You know, it's, it's, it's creating that distance. It's, it's going, what is my brain showing me? What's the moving image that it's showing me? And how am I responding to it? Am I in that movie or am I sitting back and watching it? That's the thing is uh, Ollie and his superpowers. I don't know if you've come across that approach. There's a whole load of Ollie coaches and they have this thing that you're not anxious. It's like your anxiety. And again, they sit and, and Ali will kind of hold the anxiety in her hand is why are you kicking off? It's not why are you anxious? It's why is your anxious kicking off? Why is it that part of it? And just distancing that. So it's not you, it's that part of you, that little feeling is kicking off. She, it really helps. And that's all about the whole process. It really helps people think about it. It's not me that is like this. It's not me, all of me. It's a small part of me, which I can have a conversation with. I can talk about, I can discuss all those things with. So I did the youth mindfulness training and there's a practice in, in that where you get two children to pair up and one child is being directed by the other child. So one child's got their hands on the other child's shoulders and is directing them around the room. And the child that's directing them around the room represents anger or frustration, whatever. And it's, and it's controlling that child. It's moving the child around the room. It's got the full control. And then you get the child to turn around and face their anger and say, I see you, anger. And then the anger is dispersed. Like you're in control. You know, they're in control of their anger because they can see it. And this is the most powerful thing about mindfulness is getting distance between our thoughts and our feelings, being able to step back from them. So we're not being reactive to them. We're responding to them. We're like, oh, I, I, I see you, anger. You know, or I see you, anxiety. 
like you come to visit you know you're not making my decisions you're not dry you're not driving my car you're not steering me here i i'm the one in control and it, it can take a while to get there so you you watch things happen so i am i've obviously in certain things i'm really good at doing this i've done it for years subconsciously somehow is i will go into an exam and I remember being at college and I'm just, I was outside of college. I've got my headphones in, everyone else has got their books out. They've got their bags, they're revising. They're trying to find that last bit of information in. And I'm literally going, if I don't know it now, I don't know it. There's nothing I can do now to change what's about to happen. Really, and I'd go into the exam, I would do the exam, I'd try my best and I'd walk out of there and I would leave my stress and worries in the example. Because the moment I've put my pen down, there is nothing I could do that would change a single thing. And I could literally, I would put it to bed and it wouldn't be a worry till the morning we got the results. And I was really good at that. And I've done that sort of thing for years. I'm really quite laid back. I've realized over the last few years, I'm very good at doing it in some situations, but I assumed I was doing it great at all situations, but there's obviously there are some situations I'm really rubbish at doing that. And the emotions do drive me and control me more than I realized. And I've had to sit there and kind of go through this process again of why am I feeling like this? Why am I doing this? Why this isn't the best action. And I sit there and I have a conversation with myself and I sit there and I work it out. Um, and there's a few things, yeah, that have helped me do that. So it's, people talk about being in the moment with mindfulness. It is about being in the moment and you often worry about the future. You worry about, oh, I shouldn't have done that or this is coming up or I've got this coming up or this big change in my life is coming up. And it's been interesting watching my daughters go through various things with exams or transitioning to secondary school and COVID and just various things of having no real control and going, right, so what's, okay, so that is coming up, but what's good about now? And that was a really hard question to answer. Yeah, because we're constantly living in the past or the future, aren't we? And and we are designed to do that because if we are feeling under under threat or we're you know we're trying to survive in our environment then anxiety is great because it's it's helping us to see into our future to make the decisions that we need in order to stay alive but it doesn't it doesn't help us so being able to identify that maybe we've had an anxious thought and now we're spiraling into the catastrophe that that anxious thought might create you know or the the situation might create if we can step back and have a look at it or when you were talking earlier, I was thinking, you know, compartmentalizing it. I do this lovely thing where you can you can have a box, a worry box. And so you can have a time in the day where you sit down with your child and you can say, okay, we're going to open the box and we're going to pop all your worries into this box. And then we're going to contain it. And then we're going to put it somewhere safe. And while the worries are there, you don't have to carry them. You can have some distance from them. And then, you know, we know that they're there and we'll talk about them when the box is open. And so you could do this, you know, with an imaginary box or you could do it with a physical box. But it's it's giving the child, allowing them to see that they don't have to carry that, that it's not theirs to, to carry or it can be safely put away and looked at on another day. But mindfulness, like you said, you know, it brings us back to the to the here and now and we are safe right now. 
a lot of us are very safe. And so, and so we can say to ourselves, oh, we're safe. You know, we're not under threat. And our default is to overthink things, to, to work things out, to try and, you know, we live in our chatty brains, don't we? So it is a practice and it does take time to cultivate being in the moment. I meditate every, every single day, but some days my meditation will just be my chatty brain and me going back to one, back to counting or back to noticing my you know, bum in the seat. And other days I can really sink deep into it. But, you know, and I've been practicing for years now, but my default is chatty brain. Oh, what am I going to have for breakfast? Oh, what am I going to do today? Oh, what? I said something really horrible yesterday. I wish I didn't say that. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then you're away, aren't you? It's just having, being non-judgmental of yourself when that happens and always and that's the beauty of mindfulness like not judging where your mind goes or why you're having those thoughts using the present moment as your anchor and as something that you can always come back to and that gives you the distance so these thoughts and emotions and feelings are like clouds in the sky you can just literally watch them pass instead of feeling like they're a part of you and they're never going to go away because there, there are times you're going to be worried about, let's say you've got a job interview tomorrow. Yeah, so there's a job interview happening tomorrow. There's going to be lots of things you're worrying about. So first thing is what I'm going to wear. Well, let's sort that out now. And it's done and it's sorted. I know what I'm going to wear. There's the outfit. It's hanging on my door. Cool, that's sorted. It's iron. There's no stains on it. Perfect. Cool. Right, so what I'm going to wear, what's the company? Right, well, okay, so do a bit of research. And there's certain things... I can go and do, because if I go do X, it will get rid of that worry. Yeah, I can actually proactively, I'm worried about this, we'll do something, go do that. Cool, I've read that. I spent, I've, read, I've read the company website. Cool, I'm happy for that now. I'm if he's asked me a really awkward question. And then you hit the, the worry where you can't do anything about it. You're literally, he might ask me something I'm not ready for. Yeah, but you can't get ready for that because that's the whole point. You might be ready for that. You've read the website, yeah? You, you've got a good CV. You know your CV. You can talk about things you've done. Cool. Is there anything I can do for tomorrow? Check the bus timetable, the train timetable, where the car park is and the weather. Cool. I've done all that. Right. But anxiety thrives on uncertainty, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It loves uncertainty. It loves the but, but what if that happens? All of these scenarios. I will go through, right, I've done everything I can do. There's nothing else I can do. And at that moment, I can kind of, a lot of the time, I can put it to rest. But I found that there's times I can't put things to rest, which is kind of when I've given something important over to someone else that I don't hugely know. So when you work with people, you know them. So we both, you know, Joe Grace really well. We our podcast with Joe Grace. I've met her a couple of times, and a lovely person. But I bet the, I don't know how no, but I bet if you gave her something to do, she would do it, and you wouldn't have any trouble. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be worrying about it. Yeah, and there are things like so when I give someone to in the office, I can give it to them, and I'm perfectly happy. It's when I've got an external company coming in to do something where I don't really know you. I found you on the internet. You've given me a quote. You seem lovely. You've got quite good star reviews on Trustpilot or whatever, and you're doing some work for me. I really have no control. It's the control, isn't it? We want to try and control everything. Yeah, because that, we're going to be safe. If we can control it, then we'll stay alive. And I did, I did a podcast with uh, Dr. Jamie Galpin and Claire Ward, which is all about certainty. 
And that was a fascinating one. If you haven't listened to that episode, please go listen to that because it's all about how we love our certainty and that's kind of the root of anxiety. If we were in certain world, life is easy. We hit uncertainty. Oh, I'm anxious. And they talk about this world you create for yourself from all your experiences. This is my, my, my safe world bubble. I have this bubble. And as long as I'm in here, I'll hear that noise. Oh, it's that. Oh, it's that. I know that noise. I know that noise. Hear a strange noise. I'm in uncertainty. Um, but you might go, I heard an, oh, I heard that, but that was over there, but I'm not there. So that, that was just, oh, okay. I'm not. So you may know the noise, but it's, it's the situation. Like that. And I think what I talked about is some neurodiverse people and various people, that safe world doesn't grow. So their safe world is quite, is a lot smaller than the typical person. So some people who, who live um, in a small, in a tiny part of the country, don't really leave that part of the country and don't have huge, many life experiences. Don't watch TV. Their safe world will be quite small. So when they go to London, it's going to be really everything, literally everything's going to be pure uncertainty all day. And then, but doing that once will make that, should make that bubble grow. And yeah, so, and when they explained this to me, I literally sat there going, this makes so much sense. Fear makes our lives so small, doesn't it? But it no, is and- there to protect us. And that's the thing we've got to remember is this whole anxiety, the whole fear is a protection mechanism. And sometimes it is dialed up miles too high and we need to bring it back. Um, but sometimes you do overly worry. And there are days where you will overly worry. and But it kind of means you're on your best performance. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it works to your benefit. Definitely. So you get anxious. It fires you up and you're, I'm ready for this. I'm so ready for this. I've, I've literally, I've done everything I possibly good to make this work. Therefore it works. And if you didn't have that anxiousness, you didn't prepare, it might not have gone well. So there are times where it can really help. Then there are times where it really just doesn't help. And, um, yeah, you're not going to get through much in life. And I think COVID has been one where we all had our working life, our typical working week, our typical working month, our typical working year. And then COVID came along and all of that changed. And all that uncertainty and uncertainty, certainty went, uncertainty arrived, and we're all completely out of our comfort zone. Um, and it, yeah, it was a really, it's a really stressful time. And yeah, and with I think it was with um, Ali Knowles again. We've done a podcast about, and she does three circles on the floor. There are things you can control. There are things you have some control over, and things you have no control. And some of that no control you can move to some control, and some of the some control you can move to full control, but not much. But it's about if I can move more to some control, I'll feel better. But it's also all the strategies around this as well. Yes, the strategies. <laughs> strategies are really important. When it comes to, to children, it's I mean, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think if you give children an understanding of, you know, being hijacked by their stress response and that, you know, or, you know, that they're they're in the movie instead of watching it, you know, give gives them these analogies like the clouds in the sky. And then give them roots into the present moment. 
then it can, yeah, it's, it, it can be really helpful. I don't know. <laughs> it can. And it is, it's sometimes it's, um, it's not looking at a beautifully made cake all decorated and going, I can't do that. It's like going, right, actually, what are we not looking at here? Well, it's a cake underneath. Well, I can bake, I can, I can bake a cake. I can do that part. And when you actually look at it, although it is amazing all together, and just be clear, I'm not belittling anyone who can make amazing cakes. I cannot. But well, I can bake a cake. Well, what's the next bit? And just don't look at the whole thing. Look at it one challenge at a time. Many years ago, when I used to cycle, there was a hill near my parents. And I couldn't cycle up it. It was a big hill. And, the tra- and what I was doing is I was seeing the entire hill. And there were lampposts up it. I'm going to get to that lamppost. I can get to that lamppost, yeah. Or I can get to the next one. And let's say there were seven lampposts. I might, I might have got it to the fourth lamppost. I can do this. Yeah, I got to four. So I go and walk out. But after about my third attempt, when I got to the sixth lamppost, I've only got one lamppost. Yes, I've already done six. How hard can one more lamppost be? The answer was very hard. I was breaking it into much smaller chunks. And I think that is a really powerful skill, which I think I've read about in a book about, it was a cycling book about don't see the going on a 20 mile, see it as I'm going on the this far. I'm just going to see how I feel at this point. Yeah. Split it into smaller things. Right. So I've done five. So I've done a quarter. Right. So I've done a quarter. Let's do another quarter. I'm halfway now. See, what's interesting is these strategies really work because you're you're breaking down the challenge. But mindfulness is is less about because you're still so you're entertaining the chatter in your mind still, aren't you? You're kind of but but it's it's working it out so it becomes something like that's in within your control. Whereas mindfulness is about witnessing. It's about witnessing how you're feeling, whatever you're feeling. And so it's about it's really about pausing and witnessing what's there instead of trying to control it or instead of trying to manage it. It's about witnessing it or how you're feeling. Do you know what I mean? It's more it's it's less about um trying to work out trying to find a solution. And it's more about stepping back from the problem, pausing and and then and then you i know. suppose i do that I, I i probably don't do well but i kind of sit there and go i'm stressed why am i stressed so i'm able that in that moment i've stepped back and gone oh i'm a bit stressed why am i stressed and then i dive into solving it which i probably i suppose i'm focusing too much on i need to maybe step back well, that's the next bit so yeah so the so the stepping back is the practice isn't it it's the stepping back and coming into the moment and going oh i'm I reacted like that and oh actually and having that awareness you know this is how I'm feeling right now and then that gives you the skills in order to get the distance to then break down the challenge to feel you know less scary but the mindfulness is about the pausing and so that you're not you're not going oh my god I can't even cycle up that hill and you're not reacting you're 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 stopping you know you had the the worry you stopped and then you've got the distance in order to look at it rationally and break it down. But the the pausing is what mindfulness brings us. The stopping, noticing how we are and where our mind's going and how, you know, where our worry is kind of 
getting away from us, you know, our, the trail of our thinking is just looping, coming back to our body, noticing, and then responding differently, responding more rationally or, yeah. So it's interesting because it's, um, it's that pause, which you obviously have managed to, to do and cultivate quite well, that is what we need to teach children because it's it's not having the fear or having the difficulty and reacting straight away it's having the fear having the difficulty stepping back and then responding to it you know instead of reacting to it um and it's in those moments of pause notice it that that's the mindfulness i think i do a lot of reflection so i sit there and something will happen and i'll as you said next time i'm going right that didn't go how i wanted it to what could i have changed what could i have done what led me to that and i kind of and i do a lot of chattering so i sit there and i think i I sit there going am i ever that quiet in my head the answer is no i'm always 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 but it is solving i if i've been if i felt rubbish yeah let's say i felt like i failed or i've done something wrong I suppose I get anxious about feeling like that again. So I put lots of things in to stop that from happening again. So I don't know, perhaps I'm very quick to observe my feelings and then I put straight, but I find that whole process very therapeutic. I think lots of us aren't, um, we don't give ourselves time to feel the feelings. So we don't give us give ourselves that pause of like whoa I'm really stressed or whoa I'm really tired and that's why I snapped at that person or that's why I reacted like that when I had the email at the end of the day and I I didn't have enough time to you know get it the job done or whatever it is it's 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 pausing and noticing in your body so I I talk a lot about the warning signs you know are your are your shoulders tense are you clenching your jaw are you you know biting your nails are you overeating are you you know what what are these warning signs that you need to be aware of that show you that actually you're you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or anxious about something because very often people aren't even aware of how they're feeling because they're you know they're working in the they're in the middle of it they're in the middle of it yeah and so mindfulness gives that gives us the opportunity to stop and allow us, us ourselves to really feel all of those feelings. And very often, you know, a feeling will catch up with us, won't it? It's like, oh, actually, I'm feeling really angry about that interaction I had yesterday. And I didn't realize how angry I was feeling. But since that interaction I had with that person yesterday, I've then been angry, you know, along the way or resentful or snappy myself. But it's that awareness. And we're trying to shorten the gap. So when you practice mindfulness, you're trying to shorten the gap so that you, you, you're no longer reacting, you're responding. So you're, you're, you have the experience of being cut up on the roads or something, you get angry and you pause and you go, oh, that made me feel a little bit angry. And then the anger stops there. It doesn't roll into the next day. Um, so it's that, it's, it's always bringing it back to the body and then responding how you need to. But yeah, it's that distance. I, I find that I either 
in the evening, it's a common one. So I will always on a Friday afternoon look at the following week. And generally I get a feeling from that. The overall, looking at my calendar for the next week will give me a feeling. And then I'll sit there and go, okay. So generally it's positive or I, or I'm, but then I'll be something I worry about. And I go, well, why am I worried about that? And obviously, and I kind of chatter to, obviously, obviously the part of me watching it, but obviously there's another part of me doing the director's cut, doing the commentary over it all. Why are you worried? And it just, so I, I sit there and go, why are you worried about that? And but I, I do this most days. I will, I don't write down like my friend was doing, what am I worrying about? But I do sit there and go, what am I doing tomorrow? Or, oh, I've got that. But maybe while you're having all these thoughts, Dale, you're also eating dinner with your family. So you're having all of these thoughts of what you're doing next week. No, I go away on my own. I literally, I, I'm on my, I'm in bed. I'm in bed or I go and do it on my own. And I just literally, because it helps me get to sleep, knowing that tomorrow is going to be all right because I've, 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 I've reduced those worries. So I've, I've worked out how I feel. And I've done something about them. And that's kind of how I do a lot of my working. I have realized that um, we've got various things going on in the house and mainly the garden at the moment. And you don't get deadlines. You've got to have something done by this point. And my wife goes, right, this weekend we can do this, this, and this. I'm going, no, no, I can't cope with that. I can't give, you can't give. And it's weird. It gets me really anxious. And over the last few weeks, I've had to slowly unpick this. If she says, let's do this and gives me one job this weekend, we'll probably get that done and two more done. But if she gives me three jobs, which I would have got done, I can't cope. Because what happens if the first one doesn't get right? Then I can't get the second one. And that makes me anxious. And I I have got a bit snappy. (laughs) Well, it's like compartmentalizing, isn't it? It's like having all of these it sounds like you're quite good at organizing your thoughts and going okay that stress is from that and that comes from that um but sometimes it can become overwhelming so it's like you know we can imagine a container and all of the different things that we need to do is filling the container up and when it gets to the brim we no longer have any space for the stress or anxiety to you know be in our container and it's going to burst over and this is where we get overwhelmed or we lash out and so this is where I come back to mindfulness again. It's, it's mindfulness helps us to reduce some of that stress and anxiety in our containers so that we can, um, you know, go, go on. <laughs> we can, you know, it can fill up again, but it gives us that pause, <sighs> decompress. Why does it decompress you? Cause that's the thing I find, I find the feeling I'm feeling and I can find the cause, but then I'm doing something about it. Whereas what you're saying, I need to spend more on that first bit or. Yeah. So mindfulness. So I feel like um, it's, it's so simple and yet, and, and I feel like you've gone to the other steps on onwards. You're like, you're on. Uh, I'm, the, I, 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 yeah. I'm probably missing yeah. something at the beginning. Like, and yeah. What the, can help mindfulness me? In the pause, it's, it's noticing, you know, your senses, tuning into your senses, tuning into the flavors, the textures, the sounds, being so present in the moment that actually the, the, the thing that we're thinking about in the future is irrelevant because we're in the now. And it's, yeah, I suppose 
coming into the body coming into the present moment and it's it's in that pause i feel like you're yeah you're talking about the yeah the I, I, I literally realize i keep talking about the next, next step but i need to know and there's something i'm missing it's really it's interesting because it, it's with that pause that you can then think rationally about what's coming next and you can compartmentalize and you can deal with it um when you're being explosive and re- reactionary when you're you know when your container's um full and it's over you know <laughs> over spilling in some ways pausing stopping noticing where you're at breathing noticing the senses bring coming back into the moment knowing that you're safe will help to you to come out of that reactionary phase so you so you're not feeling like it's really overwhelming that you can manage it all so Um, here's a question so you literally you kind of let's say you've got a hundred things going on and you spend you know you've actually spent loads of time in the last month you've worked solidly you look at your where you are and basically not a lot's changed i.e you've achieved a lot but everything you've achieved has been replaced so you always sit there going i'm climbing up a mountain i thought i was getting towards the peak but i'm still not really moved anywhere because I think that's a lot of, I think a lot of people, um, that's kind of how people feel that I'm not actually, you see people go, on the same code, I don't make a difference. I feel like I'm just drowning in paperwork. And I think that's a quite a common one, isn't it? That you are working flat out, but you've got no sense of achievement. So it's, yeah, I suppose it's simplifying it, isn't it? And I think what you what you'll probably say is, so you so you've worked on a load of things this week. What is it you've achieved? And what has the impact been? I suppose you want to talk about stop worrying about what's coming. Yeah, stop thinking. Like it's still it's still the mental chatter. Like the mindfulness and meditation are like a pause on all of that mental chatter, and and well it, it and it's the noticing so it's sitting in the present moment knowing that this is where you are and this is all you, all you have you only have this moment so it doesn't it, it it yeah it's about it's about the here and now and so you so you're aware of the mental so you bring distance to the to the mental chatter so when we think about that here and now is is you can sit there and be on the sofa at home on a Friday night and you're going, right, what is in this moment? I'm in my house and I'm safe. And I've got a cat next to me. I've got a glass of wine. I just had a takeaway. It's, but it's not, but it's deeper than that. It's, it's feeling the texture of the sofa feeling the weight of your body as you sit there noticing the purring of the cat next to you noticing the smell of dinner feeling the warmth of the sun as it's hitting your face it's not the thinking about it it's the it's the feeling of it it's it's the being present and embodied in that moment um so yeah it's it's, it's, it's not worrying about anything it is literally you're sitting on the sofa where am i and you literally yeah so i, I suppose i'm not going deep enough because i literally sit there and i stop there and I look at where i am and 
for me, I've just said, yeah, all that is going to happen in the future. But right now, I am just sitting here on a sofa, stroking a cat, and there's not much else needed in life right now. Well, it's, it's yeah, exactly that. I mean, it's like eating, you know, we, we eat our breakfast, we eat our lunch, but we're not really savoring or noticing the flavors of we 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 have um an idea of how that's going to taste we eat it but we're not paying attention to the textures the sounds that those foods make when they're in our mouth you know the the flavors of of them all of these different aspects we're not drawing any attention to that usually because we're we're thinking and so we have this this is a sandwich you know, I'm I'm going to eat it, and we're thinking about what's happening next. We're not thinking about the sandwich, are we? Or we're not we're not paying full attention to to that to that sandwich. So mindful eating is a really fun thing to do with children, actually. Like getting a Malteser and smelling it. When was the last time you smelled a Malteser? Like. And then closing down your eyes, smelling the Malteser. What what does it remind you of? Like noticing you know, where it takes you, then putting it in your mouth. Don't bite into it. Let it melt on the tongue. You know, what What do the fla- what, what are the flavours like? What's the texture like? You know, you meet that biscuit. Are you going to crunch into it? What sound does it make? And it's amazing when you do this with both adults and children, they're like, I've never, I've never noticed a Maltese. Like that was the best Malteser I've ever eaten because they're drawing attention to to it in a way that they never have done before and that's that's mindfulness it's about being so present that you're aware of all these remarkable things that we have so you're not think you're not thinking about anything else but right now you know the the weight of your of your your the bum your bum in the seat and your feet on the ground you know the warmth of um like your clothing against your skin or yeah, the warmth of your tea in your hands. We're not paying attention to those things. And that, and when we're able to pay attention to those things, it gives us distance. And it's in that distance that then we can look at our anxieties and look at our things with, with a better, you know, more rational brain, you know? So you talked about eating Maltesers. So is it easier to to start off with doing some specific like that eating a Malteser you're literally you're making sure you actually you're now feeling something you're doing something you're looking for the feelings rather than just sitting there going well what do you feel sitting there is that like level two of yeah level two (laughs) mindfulness so this is what I was going to say was like when we're looking at mindfulness we don't want it's so simple and with children if you can focus on the senses that's a brilliant place to start because they're like wow I never tasted a Malteser that good I never paid attention to that before so things like you know get the whole class to look up at the ceiling and when they're looking up at the ceiling get them to tell you what color the the carpet is now they probably won't know they probably they've not even paid attention to the color of the carpet yet they're in that space every single day you know get them to close their eyes and tell you how many windows there are in the room now have they even paid attention to those things yet they're in those spaces every single day and this is what pulls us out of that chatty brain and into the present moment so it's fun roots in um you know, counting the sounds that we're going to hear, uh, that you hear. That's a lovely one. It's like a treasure hunt for sounds. You know, you, you close your eyes and you notice all the things that you can hear in the moment. Things that you wouldn't notice like otherwise because you're elsewhere in your chatty mind. 
And so it's this, it's this pausing that is the powerful aspect of mindfulness. And then the second part is that the sounds become your thoughts. Like the practice of recognizing a sound is like recognizing it as if it's thought, you know, or like it's, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm making much sense, but it's the, it's the pausing and recognizing those sounds and noticing how they come and go is exactly the same as pausing and recognizing your thoughts and your emotions and noticing how they come and go. It's all happening in the, it's all happening in the moment. That makes sense. Cause I, I generally, uh, you literally sort of saying you don't notice things, whereas literally generally most rooms I go into, if I close my eyes, I could tell you where most things are really. It's a really weird skill. I could generally, if I'm in a room, I could tell you which way is North. And it's even if I've gone through a room, 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 I generally go, I have a weird thing. So I observe a lot. I count light. I, 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 neurodiversity but i literally i look at when you're in a room and you see all the lights line up and there's one out of place i will find that subconsciously i just see it and it's there and it's like lights in the wrong place but i i literally i listen for sound so in this room i I can hear my laptop i can i've got a cupboard behind me with some fans in to keep equipment cool my chair squeaking as i record i'm trying to sit really still but i'm obviously failing so i can keep hearing it squeak um and yeah i'm it's almost like I can filter them out, but almost like I don't want to, if that makes sense. There are times where I'll go fully into and I will disappear from the world and I'll really engross in it. But most of the time, I will hear my children upstairs. I'll hear the, something walking past. I'll hear something gone and it distracts me. So... Yeah, I, I, so I, I partly I fit there, and I I don't know if I'm always like just disconnected because I'm literally listening. What's that noise? What's that noise? And I get distracted so easily. So it's interesting because it's it's yeah, maybe it's a neurodiverse thing where you you actually need to practice at like kind of being in the room instead of uh, or like I don't know focusing on the task at hand. But it's the certain things you say things, and some people look at me and go, "What? Did you not see that?" And they're like, "Where?" And it's like, "Wow, why are people not observant?" And Joe Gray says she has this thing where she just reads stuff in a, in the thing. It's, I think it's a neurodiverse thing that you are constantly aware of things, and but I've also people said I've got a very analytical brain, so I, I will just sit there and I'll think about things, and the feelings definitely come into it. So I literally, it's not like um, feelings of colours, but generally I look at my, and I say, I get all these feelings. And it's, and it's negative. I have to reduce it. And I use past experiences and I use things like that. And I don't know if that's part of mindfulness. It sounds like it's not. It's the bit afterwards. But, but to me, in my head, that was mindfulness. But it's it's not. It is purely. It's the pausing. It's the the stopping and noticing where I am. And I suppose when I sit there and look at where I am, I then maybe look at where I where what I'm supposed to be doing right now, and observing that. So I'm using those. Is that kind of what we're talking about? So I'm observing everything in the moment. I feel like you you have this the skill naturally, and um, most yeah I suppose I, I don't have that skill so I will live in the future or the past 
thinking, 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 and completely almost disassociate sometimes from my body and where I am. So I forget that I, you know, I'm stood in a room and it's windy outside and the trees are blowing and, you know, there's kids laughing in the playground. And, you know, I forget to tune into these, these aspects, these sensory aspects. Because I'm, I'm really lucky there's a school near the back of my house and there's nothing better than when I'm working from home and I'm taking the recycling out, the rubbish out, or I open my window and I'll be working and you suddenly hear kids having fun. And it is, it's such a lovely noise to hear. So it sounds like your, yeah, mindfulness is something that you do anyway. It might, it must be, it must be. And I don't know, I have that natural thing. But I I do find it interesting because I talk to people and it's sort of like, and I say to them, identify why you feel this way because that way you can, if you've identified why you're stressed, they'll go, I don't know. Okay, how do you not know? And it's perhaps because I, I, I somehow have this ability to work out, oh, I'm feeling really stressed. So which part of the last week has made me feel stressed? Nothing. What's coming up? <gasps> ah, I now find it. Right. So what can I do? Yeah, so lots of us will just have the feeling and not really fully understand the why. So I, I just I just spend my life trying to reduce my negative feelings because we don't like them but for, with mindfulness is about feeling the feelings as well so the second you know the second step of observing the thoughts but also allowing the feelings to be there so where do they reside in your body you know is your chest tight are you clenching your jaw like fe- allow yourself to feel the feeling um and be non-judgmental and not try and work work it out you don't have to try and work it out you just be it but knowing that it will pass so it's not it's not going to stay there forever. Just feel it. If you, it's like anxiety. You, you, if you keep getting worried about stuff, you kind of want to reduce that worry. So it's putting those strategies up. And if you do something which you're kind of going to have to do quite often, but it makes you angry each time you do it, it's like, oh, why am I angry? I'm angry. Oh, okay, cool. Then I kind of. Look back, not in the moment. I can generally find not in the moment, work out why I'm angry. Because <laughs> um, it's normally afterwards I sit there and I kind of replay it in my head and work out what are those trigger points that made me, made the anger arrive? What is it that made me angry? And identify those. And then, and sometimes it is working out why is that simple thing made me angry? And then I can reduce it. You're never going to know as well. So <laughs> you have to kind of let it go. I generally, have, I, work, I work out most of them. I do. That's fascinating, yeah. And I'm, I'm really good because I sit there and I, I'm, I'm quite good at compartmentalizing. So I have snapped at my children and then just walked out of the room and I've just gone, oh, you should have done that. Right, finish what I'm doing. And then I've gone and apologised and explained that I shouldn't have snapped. It wasn't them. And I actually explained that I was really stressed with something. You've come in and although I've shouted at you or I've snapped at you or I've said no rather bluntly, none of that was aimed at you is I was, I couldn't contain my stress in that area. I couldn't in that moment just turn around at my computer, turn around and talk to my children and leave it at my desk. It was, 
it was consuming me. Um, but then I, could, I was able to go afterwards and go, sorry, and explain and, and explain again, hopefully model that I've done this thing. We've got to be careful of being angry to people who are trying to help us when it's not that to do with them. So I'm trying to model that, try and keep your anger where it should be. Um, and that actually to my children, that I do make mistakes. I get things wrong. But that's, that's noticing. So, you know, if we go back to that pair activity where the anger was controlling you, it's pushing you around the room. It, it, you know, you're shouting at, shouting at your kids because the anger is controlling you. And if you turn around and face the anger, then it doesn't have the same control. So then you kind of, you see it for what it is and you see it, it, it's, it's, you're not being reactive anymore. But yeah, I suppose where I'm quite good, what you're saying is for most people, the snapping at the children or things like that, you might not recognize that you're doing all of this, that you're caught up and there's something and you need to just kind of let go of it all. Well, it's noticing that it's there in the first place. The noticing that you're angry in the first place. And, you know, sitting with that anger, noticing that it's there. I sometimes feel, because um, I like making my children jump and scared and they get me back. But I don't jump. It's really, you've got to work really hard to get me to jump. But occasionally I'll say to them, it's like I've jumped on the inside. So it's almost like there's a version of me inside my body who's like 60% and it's like watching. So it's almost like, although I didn't jump on the in, on the outside, me watching it jumped, but I kind of know my body didn't move. And they said, Oh, I didn't, I went, Oh, I didn't. So yeah, it's like, again, I've no idea how to explain that, but it's kind of like, I'm always partly watching my life. So I can always just sit there going, it's not all the time. Sometimes I really am fully engrossed in it. But sometimes there's always watching me and it's almost like, yeah, sitting there with a bowl of popcorn, working out what's going to happen next kind of thing and getting that feedback back. So although I'm really angry, it's like, oh, I bet this is going to happen or something. And it's just, I can't explain it. That's probably the best but it's a really interesting when I have this going on in my head and I talk to other people and they look at me really confused and going, I've got no idea what no. you're on about. <laughs> I think that's probably me at the moment. <laughs> but I'll have, I'll have conversations with John and a lot of time we're really on the same page and he'll just do, I'll do something. He'll just look at me and go, how, how did you get to that? And um, again, it's how you look at it. So many years ago, we went to this school and they invited us into the school and we sat down in the meeting room and then they basically had a go at us uh, about us. It was basically, there was a bug in the software. Something wasn't quite working right. And it was content wise. And, um, and it just, it didn't work for how they wanted to work. And I went over there and they invited us over and I listened and I sat there and listened and I kind of understood their point. And, um, John was sort of going damage limitation, got to apologize lots and say, yeah, we're really sorry. And I just went, thank you. And they all they all sort of went, what? I said, thanks. That's really useful feedback. And it was like they didn't just cancel us. They didn't just 
have a huge go at us over the phone or send us an email. The invite is in to have a go at us. So they obviously like us and they want us to change. It wasn't, we're leaving you, you're rubbish. It's like, oh, you're so good, but this bit's annoying us. Please, can we have a meeting to discuss how we're going to fix it? But if you'd gone on your raw emotion, you would have received it really negatively. Whereas part of me sort of went, well, they're obviously, but I kind of linked these things together. I went, well, thanks, actually. And then we had this whole conversation and it was a really positive meeting. But if you went on your emotion that actually this person is having, saying what you've created is rubbish, and you went on your initial emotion, it could have gone very differently. So you jumped to a, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Lot, joining lots of things up. And I always think action speaks so much louder than words. So it's, it's not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. So the people who moan about Tesco's, and then you see them in the following week about where they're doing their weekly shop. So you're angry about them, but you're still buying your food here. But then there are people who I know who have been angry with Tesco's and haven't been in the Tesco's for 10 years. You're like, okay, cool. You really believe what you're saying. You're not just saying it. There's an action you take. And I, and I do think that when someone's saying it, there's you can take it at a very simple level. Then it's why are they saying it? You can think about what is the reason. So you often see someone cut you up and you get the road rage. And my wife will say they're probably on their way to hospital because their wife's or something, or you're someone's you literally you'll do that to yourself. But actually, if you think about most people are generally good natured, they care, and most people generally wouldn't go out of their way specifically to hurt or harm anyone. So if you kind of can hold on to that at the back of your mind and go into a conversation someone's having a go at you, and you, you, again, you talk about on this podcast, lots of people say all, all behavior is a communication. So are they ranting and angry with you because they're frustrated that they have no control? But you're the person with So you have all these situations that actually when someone's shouting at you or even is just wet, you've got to go, how have they got to this? What are they going through? Yeah. And you can choose to respond. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's a bit like a dog barking at you and properly really, really aggressive. And you're like, so scared of it, you know, so scared of it. And you're walking past and you realize that the dog's like trapped in a cage and it's hurting. It's like what, you know, it's barking because, or like properly aggressive because it's hurting. What's underneath that behavior? Um, and it's the way that if we can, if we, you know, respond aggressively to people that are being aggressive to us and the, it's just going to escalate if we can see that there's layers um, and there's reasons why people I think that mindfulness, if you can sit there and look at, when have I done this? When have I been this angry? Why was I angry? And often the reason you're angry has got nothing to do with what's going on right at that moment. It's something that happened earlier that day. This was just a final straw, but that's where the rage came out. <laughs> and so you're sitting there and you have, you have these situations and you're like, so when, and that's thing I reflect on. So if I understand my feelings and why I do things, 
when someone else is showing something, I go, oh, oh, okay. I did that because of this. Let's have a look back at that. Let's try and unpick that. And that self-awareness is something that you can cultivate through mindful mindfulness, you know, that self-awareness of like, how am I feeling? Oh, I reacted like that. Oh, that's strange. You know, you can you can step back from the situation instead of kind of just being in it, you know? You're like, oh, being self-reflective. And when, with mindfulness, it's not always just, we're not talking about happy, sad, angry, frustrated. That's going to be the first level but sometimes you might be going, I'm frustrated. Well, why am I frustrated? And then you get to more nuanced feelings underneath that. That oh, I'm frustrated. Why? Because my life's really monotonous right now. I'm not. Uh, you kind of, you can unpick about how you're feeling about your rundown because there's things like that. And so, but mindfulness is just the pause. Like mindfulness is just the, the recognizing. And then the next steps are, you know the next steps like the mindfulness is just purely the pause is we not you literally with mindfulness talking about literally happy sad angry frustrated at that level were you talking more it's it's recognizing what's there so sometimes you can label it but you don't have to label it you can just feel it it's so much more about being in the body than in in the mind so you know it's recognizing what what's there and how you're carrying it do you know what I mean? Kind of, kind of. Kind of. It's 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 it's, so it's, it's, it's 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 the pause before all of this. It's the it's the oh, this is how I'm feeling. It's that recognizing that self awareness. And when we're talking about children, they that's 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 a skill that they need to learn, you know. And some adults haven't learned yet. Um, but it sounds to me like Dale, you've you've learned it. Some of <laughs> and it. You're, you're you're running away with the next bit, but yeah. But it is, it is, as I've talked to my children, as they're growing up and they're, they're teenagers and they lash out, yeah? And you're like, Why, what, what's going on? And they can't. It is interesting. I explain to them, and I don't know if it is because I'm dad and I don't want to tell dad why they're feeling this way, or they just cannot understand why they're feeling this way. Yeah. And lots of the, most of the time you can't understand it. So I feel like you have this ability to, to understand and analyze how you've got to that point. But lots of people might not, will really struggle to put a finger on why, on the why. Of it. And, it's, and I'm helping my daughter who gets frustrated and she goes, I'm angry. It's like, why should I? I don't know. Oh, and I was like, so we, we start unpicking what's what happened. And, and we'll find, we get to an area. That it's something to do with this, but she can't really say definitely that was the thing. We can get down to an area at the moment. And it's like, right, so you recognize what made you angry. It's something to do with that. The better we can find out what made you angry, the better we can remove the trigger. Which is, yeah, it's such an organ. It's an organizational way of like going, okay, what, what are the next steps to fit to fixing this? But but also really allowing yourself to witness the anger and how it resides in your body, allowing it to be there because it's there for a reason, you know, just fe feeling it, witnessing it. Um that's that's the first that's the first step. Instead of reacting to it, we're witnessing it and feeling it and letting it be there. But yeah, for my, for my teenage girls, they sometimes they don't recognize they're angry. It's, they respond. And I'm like, you're okay. Wait, you're fine. You're like, 
you're coming across a bit. See, literally, it's it's giving them like you're angry. But that's so that's where it's the warning signs again. It's scanning the body for those warning signs of like, oh, actually, I am. I've I've been biting, chewing at my nails for the last. Uh, 45 minutes or I've my shoulders are really tense or actually yeah I've got a headache or I'm feeling sick or whatever it is whatever those warning signs are for you which are all unique you know we're all unique in the way that we respond to these emotions and it's and it's tuning into that so then that gives you the awareness of oh this is where I'm at and so this is where I can pause and and recognize but it's it's interesting that I can just, again, I don't know how if I could do this at that age when I was a teenager because I sit there and go, that's what made me angry. Or I've learned over many years how to work out. That's the point. But it's, it's interesting that, you learn. Yeah. Yeah. that help, helping my daughters work out what it is made them angry. Um, but also, as adults, we're really lucky. We have so much control. You, if you don't like where you work, get a new job. Don't like this, do this. Don't like that, do this. Don't do that, want to do that. Don't like that, do that. Don't like that, dinner. You're the one who's doing the shopping. As a child, you have so little control. And um, so when my daughter tells her, oh, I'm struggling with this, I'm like, you've just got to get through school. It's kind of that's the only answer is we've got to work out how to help you cope with this. But there's not much I can do until you get to college and beyond where you start to choose who you're with and you find like-minded people and then life will get better. The moment you're stuck with a complete assortment of very different minded people who have inputs from school, inputs from their parents or lack of input and various other things that make such a big mixing pot of people and emotions and triggering each other off. And try and work out why someone would do that at secondary school is a different reason to why they would do it in the real, in the, in the adult life. Because they don't know themselves yet. Sometimes, um, you know, in that pausing, in that noticing what's in your body, like scanning your body for any tension, noticing what's here, labeling it. So sometimes you won't know it until you felt it, allowed yourself to fully feel it. You've paused in that moment, fully felt it. And then you've gone, oh, my God, it's it's jealousy, you know, and you can label it, you know, and, and it's in that labeling, which is where the control comes back because you're not you're not being reactive to it. You're you you can see it. You know, you're viewing it again. You're observing it. Um, and it but but it's it's that that's an that's that takes practice and we need to learn that skill we need to be able to learn it and that's what yeah that's what can help us to re, um kind of manage any challenges that come our way really because we know that we can pause we've got this anchor here that's going to allow us to pause and breathe and stop and and decompress and then we can move forward instead of ah you know frantically going about our everyday life and just being reactive spiraling um it gives us an opportunity to come back to the present moment know that we're safe yeah and i think it is if me every night guaranteed i would i will as i go to bed i'll look at my calendar for the next day and i kind of reflect on today and think about tomorrow so i'm prepared as well mentally i know what's going to happen tomorrow and it gets rid of all my worry. So I can literally go, well, I know how today's gone. I know what's happening tomorrow. I cannot worry about that because I know what's happening. 
And I then can kind of just put everything else to bed in my head and I can just drift off more easily. Um, sometimes I do have things which go on my head. I'm, I'm thinking about things and I kind of have to finish that chapter in my head and whatever I'm thinking about. But yeah, I do find knowing where I am, know what's coming up a bit more so I know what's around me makes me enjoy the moment more. That makes sense. I can let go. I can have to worry because I know tomorrow I've got four meetings. Or I'm doing this. I've got uh, doing another web um, podcast. Cool. I know what's happening tomorrow. Some bits in that might be scary, but I'll deal with them when I get to it. I can't do anything about it right now because I'm in bed, but it's not like I've got to get up early for a doctor's appointment or I'm seeing the Cairo at eight o'clock. So I've got to make I know what's happening tomorrow. There'll be no surprises. Today's finished and done with. I'm lying in bed and life's all right. See, I want to be devil's advocate and be like, but there might be a surprise. And it's the way that you respond to that and you learn how to respond to that that is what will help you. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you, but you, 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 <laughs> you, you, in my head, I will prepare everything I can with the information. But the surprises and the unknowns, there's nothing I can do about them. So if you said to me, right, Dale, next week we're going to meet up on Thursday in Bristol and I'm going to take you out for the day. I'll go, right, so what's in Bristol? And I'll do a load of stuff about what's in Bristol. And go, oh, there's nothing I can think of. That's fine, yeah. And then that'll be me done. Yeah, because I there's nothing I would know or could do. Yeah until I arrive there. And then we'll, and if you think we're going to walk down here, I'm going to be cool. What do I anything about? I don't know anything about Bristol, so I've got no idea. I don't know anything about Bristol, so there's nothing I can really worry about. Until you walk towards maybe a sushi restaurant and I hate fish, and then my anxious is good. That's how my head works. Whereas my wife hates surprises. So the idea of you and me meeting up in Bristol and doing something she would just have anxiousness all the way till she knew exactly what was happening, which is the complete polar opposite. But I suppose, yeah, the, the all of these thoughts are always, in, they're always future-based, aren't they? Or, uh, you know, based on past experience. And mindfulness is about going to Bristol, tasting the coffee as you walk down in the rain. You know, it's, it's, it's about being in the moment and you can't predict what's going to happen in the moment. Like if you're listening to the sounds in your environment right now, you can't predict what's going to come next. You can't. You don't know what you're going to hear next. You might hear someone scream on the street. You didn't know that was coming. And so mindfulness is about just noticing without being judgmental, without, you know, trying to change it or control it. You are just noticing. But generally, I find with mindfulness, most of the time we are generally, nearly always, we're in a generally a safe place. So walking through Bristol, smelling coffee, it's always non-threatening. And that's how it is. It is literally, it just teaches us that right now you've got these worries coming up or something, but right now there's nothing going on. You're not going to do mindfulness skydiving. You're not going to do mindfulness not wearing a seatbelt in a car. I feel like mindfulness, 
like skydiving because that you can't not be in the present so actually skydiving is probably really mindful because because you're fully in the present will you, you test it out for us and come back and tell <laughs> <us>. <laughs> yeah i will i'll give that a but, but yeah it's probably you are literally thinking you are probably really actually skydiving but i literally actually actually no in theory whether you like it or not if you're in a stressful situation you probably are feeling mindfulness you're probably very aware of your body actually and how you're feeling but it's tuning it it's tuning into that and breathing and knowing that you can change how you're feeling as well so tuning into that okay i'm stressed my shoulders are tense i just snapped okay i'm going to take three or four deep breaths in and out okay there's my anchor i'm in the here and now i'm safe right how am i going to go about my every day what can i do next so it's yeah yeah it's coming back to the body and using your breath as like a reference point interesting i i find it really interesting because have you, have you heard of the chimp paradox book so the chimp paradox is kind of explaining and from what i've read there are bits of it which are ish true it's not a it's not a but the idea is is you have a different parts of your brain so you have a chimp in there you have a computer and then you have your archives so if i ask you a question the bit that wants to fly out of your mouth the moment i ask it is the chimp and when we snap that's the chimp that's your chimp that's the uncontrolled blah, comes out your mouth that's kind of chimp then you have a computer which will think about it logically and then i think there's the archives which we go using all that past experience so you, you could get to three completely different answers or you might get to the same answer but a lot of the time they talk in this champ chimp paradox as my friend read this book is slowing the response down so you've got the answer from the chimp but don't try not to shout it out see what the computer comes up with or something else yeah and it's that awareness it's that awareness and i think stuff with mindfulness is being aware of it so you recognize it more so we're actually if you're doing mindfulness a lot you should i'm not saying you wouldn't snap but you're more likely to snap less would that be right yeah well you're you're gonna pause before you snap because you're gonna notice gonna notice oh there's my initial reaction yeah instead of just going along with it you're gonna notice oh i'm really angry and i want to i want to slap you <laughs> whatever it is and yeah but yeah so there's this book it's called the chimp paradox and it's the idea that's what that goes on about it's that don't just let the chimp go just have that moment and think about it and let's see what thought comes out with. Yeah, that's the practice that you cultivate when you start doing mindfulness. It's that ability to pause. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting and not believe your thoughts and not believe, you know, like, yeah, the movie screen. Step back from it. Yes. There's a, there's a, there's a Mark, my own, only Mark Twain quote I know. It's... Um, it's what it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just isn't so. 
And there are times where you've got into arguments and you've argued something and then you've realised later on, you've looked back and gone, I was completely wrong. Or, yeah. So, you know, it seems like that where either you, someone told you, you took that as what well, is true and then you find out later. It's those sorts of things that get you into trouble. When someone tells you this is the way it works and you rely on that and then it's not that. That's what gets you into trouble. And, um, and I think thinking you can't change how you react to things that I will always react this way because this is the way I am. That's not true. That's not true. You can change. You can react differently. It's not always easy. No, it's a practice, something you have to practice. Yeah. But I always generally think the less anger and stress you have and going in same you can you can literally watch two people going into a very same situation um one could be very stressed and one isn't and one is healthier and one isn't less stress the better i think it is the less stress you can do the better um there are times you can't change that but it is about recognizing using that mindfulness and then putting things in place to reduce that because mindfulness necessarily won't change the feeling, but it just, you said it makes you more aware that you're feeling it in that situation. And then the bit afterwards comes, well, how do I avoid feeling it in that situation? So, yeah, so mindfulness isn't just about going ding. It's what works for you, isn't it? Yeah. I think s- slowing down is a really, a really lovely thing to do with children as well. You know, slowing down, brushing your teeth, feeling the bristles of the tooth. Um, toothbrush on your teeth you know we're like slowing down all of these things that we we do every day you know our routines and our patterns and our habits uh, and we're completely unaware of them how can we slow down and notice um and yeah and you can speed up as well with children if you want to make it into a game you can do snail's pace and you can do hair's pace or whatever it is to make it into a fun game so that they're you know they can run around the house and you know whatever and then you can say okay now a snail's pace and they're going to go really slowly and they're going to notice every single movement and be you know and you can make it playful but yeah slowing down noticing the senses activating the breath these these are the kind of the ways in to mindfulness that we can we can bring into the classroom we can bring into our situations at home and they and they make, they'll make a big difference as well um, that's that's a big thing is if you're somebody who literally wakes up and then just runs all around all day to the end of the day and then goes to bed and repeats literally finding time to have a cup of coffee and a bag of maltesers on your own with no one else and just feel that hot cup in your hand, the taste, the the sensation of the Malteser melting, the chocolate, all of that, just taking that moment every day to do that is just really good. I'm, I'm a slow starter in the morning. It kind of, you have to wind me up, but I slow, I wake up slowly. I listen to the birds. I listen to the noise outside. I'm relaxed. I get out of bed. My wife literally is awakened up and is off. On, a, on her to-do list, yeah. On her yeah. to-do list, whereas I'm waking up, and a half an hour after waking up, I'm still in bed. 
because I'm just, you know, I'm in bed. I love my bed. It's the best place to be in the whole world. And why would I rush out of it? I, we always have the window open so I can hear what's going on outside. Can I hear people walking down the road? Can I hear cars? And I just, where are we today with the world? With the curtains closed, using my auditory senses, I can pick up so much. So that's I just a have a morning, slow start. Yeah. <laughs> Once I'm wound up, I'm off. But it is that slow start, I think, helps me. And, and the bit of, again, the evenings planning and thinking about that is it really helps me just be more prepared and more to take on my daughter's stress that they throw at me. <laughs> I've really enjoyed today. <laughs> me too. I've enjoyed the whole mindfulness conversation and looking at it. And, and it might be, yeah, I just, I'm very good at doing it subconsciously. So when you're talking about it going, oh, I, I, I kind of do that in a split second and I move on to that bit, but it's that bit I'm doing that I've obviously, I'm not always good at it. Sometimes, um, like you said, your, your body does certain things when you're stressed. That's not a consistent, that's not a constant. Different stress, different situations will mean it does it in a different way. Um, and sometimes I sit there going, oh, why am I doing this? Um, and it might be a new one. It might take me a while to find the pattern of when my body does that. Then it's like, ah, ah, I've got this. That is a sign of stress. Then it's like, so what am I stressed about? And I can, so it's, it's, it's doing Inspector Cluzo and pick, joining it all together and working it all out. And then I put my strategies in to not feel like that because I don't like that feeling. I don't like my body being, it's not good for it. Amazing. <laughs> You're a mind. You're like mindfulness king, Dale. <laughs> not really, because I'm sitting there, still not happy about yeah. it. I'm still not happy. I'm still not great. It's still not be. like I'm going. Oh no! It, but it is. I, I I watch I watch my wife and children. They are generally a lot more stressed than me. And people talk about me being Mister Horizontal because I'm Mister Laid Back. But it is. I think I just use some time each day to be ready for the day. And that might sound bonkers if you're the person who's running. But just, no, don't do it once. You kind of kind of do it for a week. It's just have that cup of coffee or that tea on your own. Yeah, it might mean you have to get up earlier. It might mean you do it late at night when everyone else goes to bed. Yeah, when the house is quiet and you're not heat-guessing. I think when you hear the kids playing upstairs or being a bit annoyed, you go, what are they doing upstairs? You kind of want a quiet house. Well, I, I think that's, that's also part of the challenge because you, you, you can notice the kids screaming upstairs, but you're not reacting to it, Dale. You're not reacting. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that problem is if you're in not that pent up, if you're in that pent up mode, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, it's going to be a mess. I've got to clear up. It's quite hard to let go of that. Trust me, when I started working from home and the kids were home, oh, I found it quite stressful because I was always listening to them. Can what have I got to sort out? There's a door somewhere. Why is there a door? So I found that quite, I couldn't zone out. So, yeah, starting to me with a quiet, either early morning, after the school drop off, or in the evening, just having a few minutes on your own, just quiet, no phone. Yeah, and just have that cup of tea. Tune into your senses. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, if you do that for a week, you will notice a difference. You're, you will notice, as you said, that more of watching a film, that more, that just that step back, that you're watching something happen, you, you can choose how to respond will start to come in. And you also notice each day that how you feel slightly different. Because you can't just do it once and go, well, that's all right. It's all like, why am I struggling today? And the next day, oh, this is so much easier. And you, 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 you piece together a jigsaw, which really helps. Yeah. You've given yourself time. And it, it's when you do something, you, yeah, you, you've got to work out what your norm is. <laughs> what your, oh, I, I like this feeling. And the next day, oh, I'm a bit, why can't I get to it yesterday's feeling? And you'll go up and down with these things, but you'll literally, you'll find a rhythm and you'll work out how to get to that rhythm, how to get, when you're not feeling like that, you'll work out. It's, it's, I know mindfulness does sound a bit bonkers and chanty. You think it sounds bonkers? <laughs> well, it does, because you're saying mindfulness. But it, I do think that's what something I think would help a lot of people if it was really taught in schools and not, not indirect. I'm talking directly. This is mindfulness. This will help you to do this. This will help you in these situations. This is that I think would really not like you're teaching them and they don't know what they didn't realize later on. This is mindfulness. Yeah. Actually understanding the importance of mindfulness, I think is going to be, we should be done from primary schools, when they get to secondary schools and life is being thrown at them, they can cope with it better. Yeah. yeah. That's a dream. That's a dream. One day. Yeah. One day. Cool. So that's quite a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for going on for so long, everyone. Um, but thank you for coming on the show today, Katie. Um, I'm saying I've really enjoyed the conversation. I've really enjoyed looking at it and I love listening how different people's mind works um, and things like that. And I wonder if anyone else listening is a bit like me or if I am literally the only one listening whose brain works like that. And you all look at me as if I'm bonkers, which is fine because I know I'm slightly different. Um, but yeah, it's interesting and how it impacts you. It might be different for all of us. Um, and that is perfectly fine, but it is the overall aim. The aim, aim of it all is to be more relaxed and be calmer, less stressed and just enjoying life more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's many segues I could go on to, which is quite, I, could, I, could, I might talk to Katie after we're doing this, but, um, yeah, I could go for hours, but yeah, it's the whole thing of mindfulness is, it is really important. It has so many benefits. Um, that when you're doing mindfulness now, whatever life throws at you, you can use it. So the sooner you have that in your tool bag to use, the better. Yeah, definitely. Teach it early. Cool. <laughs> Get yes. it to them early so they've got it for their whole life, yeah. And not just some weird thing that you didn't realise what it was. They need to know this is what it is and this is kind of how you're going to help you kind of thing. So you've given me some links to share. I'll be to share. I'll be adding those to the show notes and your contact details. And you'll find the show notes wherever you listen to the podcast or on our website. So thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. You can find links to subscribe across the different podcast platforms on our website, www.thesendcast.com. Please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at The Sendcast. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are The Sendcast. 
And please share us on social media. If you love the podcast, if you like our guests, let them know that you like podcasts. Like you know Katie and Joe and Ali and Susan Nyman and all other guests. Let them know you love them on the podcast and it's great for them to hear. Um, and let others know. Um, and before you go, um, and before I go and Katie goes, I'd like to remind you about the training for education. Um, it's our online CPD platform. And you'll find a number of the guests on the Sendcast are speakers at our virtual Send conferences, or they have recorded their own training courses. Training for Education is a great way to get CPD for all staff around SEND, not just the Senco, because it is effective and affordable. Visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And as always, an exclusive gift to you, our Sendcast listeners. You can get 10% discount on our virtual Send conferences future or past by using the code sendcast10 so thank you for listening we'll be back soon with another episode of the sendcast it's goodbye from me and from me (laughs) bye